The verses are familiar, but I'd like to read them to you. Luke chapter 2, beginning at verse 8. And we're answering the question tonight, why was the first announcement of the birth of our Lord given to anonymous shepherds? And there were in the same country shepherds abiding in the field, keeping watch over their flock by night. And lo, the angel of the Lord came upon them, and the glory of the Lord shone round about them, and they were very much afraid. And the angel said unto them, Fear not, for behold, I bring you good tidings of great joy, which shall be to all the people. For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior, who is Christ the Lord. And this shall be a sign unto you, Ye shall find the babe wrapped in swaddling clothes and lying in a manger. And suddenly there was with the angel a multitude of the heavenly host, praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest, and on earth peace, goodwill toward men. It came to pass as the angels were gone away from them into heaven, the shepherds said one to another, Let us now go even unto Bethlehem and see this thing which has come to pass, which the Lord hath made known unto us. And they came with haste and found Mary and Joseph and the babe lying in a manger. And when they had seen it, they made known abroad the saying which was told them concerning this child. And all they that heard it wondered at those things which were told them by the shepherds. But Mary kept all these things and pondered them in her heart. And the shepherds returned, glorifying and praising God for all the things that they had heard and seen as it was told unto them. If some Madison Avenue public relations firm had been in charge of announcing the birth of Christ, this record would be considerably different. Because something of this magnitude deserves a sponsor, one who can afford to pay the bill for the announcement, certainly deserves a great deal of advertising. I think if Madison Avenue had had the power and had been in charge, they would have gotten a lot of important people, uh, cablegrams off to Caesar, and announcements certainly made down in Egypt, over in Greece, but God didn't handle it that way. In fact, as you read your Bible, you find that many times God does the thing that we wouldn't do. You know why? His thoughts are not our thoughts. His ways are far above our ways. We'd make a mess of the whole thing. If God had given to some Madison Avenue firm a couple of years to prepare the announcement for the birth of Christ, it probably would have been very commercial, very materialistic, very unspiritual. Instead, God chose to make the first announcement of the birth of the Savior to a group of anonymous shepherds. And we ask the question, why? There may be many answers to the question, but I'd like to suggest four possible reasons, and from these reasons try to glean some spiritual truth and some lessons for our own heart. I think, first of all, God announced the birth of his son to shepherds because of their position 
in society. You say, well, so what? They were shepherds. Do you realize that shepherds were looked upon as outcasts in Jewish society? When you study the Bible dictionaries and the Bible encyclopedias, you find that there were many different vocations in the Holy Land, and each of them had its own particular status. If you were a goldsmith or a silversmith, you were on this level of the social ladder. Even fishermen had a rather high standing among the Jewish people. Scholars, of course, stood at the very top, but shepherds were down at the bottom particularly among the priests and the Pharisees. Of course, you know why. Shepherds, generally speaking, were unclean. The kind of work that they had to do rendered them both physically and religiously unclean. Now, a lamb, a sheep, is not an unclean animal. But the kind of services, the kind of work that the shepherd had to do would usually keep him ceremonially unclean. Furthermore, these shepherds were living out in the fields. They weren't living at home and taking the flocks out at night and then going back in, or in the daytime and going back in at night. They were abiding in the fields. They were living out there. Many, many times the shepherds would be away from the temple, away from the synagogue for weeks and months at a time. And of course, according to the Pharisees and some of the priests, if you didn't fast twice a week, if you weren't down at the prayer meetings, if you didn't have this and that, you just were an outcast. And shepherds were looked upon by the Jewish people as being unclean and outcasts. Now, not to the point of a leper, not to the point of a criminal, but a shepherd simply did not have that standing, that status in the society back in our Lord's day. You know what that says to me? When I read this, I say, Dear Lord, how amazing that you bypassed the palaces in Jerusalem. You bypassed the learned universities and rabbinical schools. You bypassed the philosophers in Athens. You bypassed the military geniuses in Rome. And you went and you picked out some anonymous, unclean, rejected shepherds. And that makes me want to give praise to God. The Apostle Paul had something to say about that over in 1 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 26. And we had better keep this in mind. There is a tendency on the part of some Christians to think that Jesus Christ came for the rich people. Well, he did, but not many of them get saved. That Jesus Christ came for the up and outers, and he did. But it's kind of hard to reach some of them. For ye see your calling, brethren, says Paul, that not many wise, now it doesn't say not any wise, it says, not many wise men after the flesh, not many mighty, not many noble are called. Now, some are, and we thank God for them. But God hath chosen the foolish things of the world to confound the wise. 
And God hath chosen the weak things of the world to confound the things that are mighty, and base things of the world, and things which are despised hath God chosen, yea, and things which are not, to bring to nothing things that are. Now, why did he do that? That no flesh should glory in his presence. Now, I thank God that the Magi came some months later to worship the Lord Jesus. These Magi were intelligent men. I mean by that trained scholars, though they did not have the kind of insight that we have in science today, they were the best of their day. They studied the heavens. They were scientists. They were scholars. And they were wealthy men, apparently. I thank God that they came. I thank God that any wealthy man, any scholar, can come to Jesus Christ. And he doesn't have to abandon his brains or his bank book, but he better give up his heart. But I'm grateful to the Lord that the Magi didn't come first. The shepherds came first. It's as though God is saying to you and me, this is where I start. I have a hard time saving the rich, said Jesus, how hard it is for a rich man to get into the kingdom of heaven. And some of these people who have super intelligence, perhaps it's not so much super intelligence, perhaps it's just pride. They say, I don't understand the cross because the preaching of the cross is to them that are perishing foolishness. And the Greeks are seeking after wisdom. And God says, no, it's not by the wisdom of this world that I save people. He said, I went to shepherds. Now, Mary had something to say about this back in Luke chapter 1. And Mary says, verse 46, my soul doth magnify the Lord, and my spirit hath rejoiced in God my Savior. For he hath regarded the low estate of his handmaiden. You know why many people can't get saved? They won't go low enough. They go about establishing their own righteousness and they will not submit, get low enough, submitting to the righteousness of God. Down in verse uh, 52, he hath put down the mighty from their seats and exalted them of low degree. He hath filled the hungry with good things, and the rich he hath sent away empty. You see, if you come to Jesus Christ with nothing, you'll go away with everything. If you come with what you think is everything, you'll go away with nothing. He came to shepherds first because of their position. He comes to those who are lowly in heart. He comes to those who are rejected. Jesus Christ himself knew what it was to be rejected. Now, I think a second reason that our, Lord, our Lord's birth announcement came first to the shepherds was because they were shepherds. Now, the Lord Jesus Christ, I am told, I haven't counted them, but the Lord Jesus Christ, I am told, has more than 700 different names and titles in the Bible. I have books in my library that list, uh, oh, perhaps two or three hundred of them, but they tell me there are more than 700 different names and titles of the Lord Jesus and pictures of the Lord Jesus in the Bible. He's a king, but the announcement didn't come to a king. He's a teacher, 
but the announcement didn't come to a teacher. came to a shepherd's out in the hillside. Now, Jesus Christ never was employed as a shepherd. He was a carpenter. But he functioned as a shepherd. One day he laid aside his carpenter's tools. He stepped out of the carpenter shop at Nazareth. He went down to the Jordan River. He was baptized by John, and he began his ministry as a shepherd. And that's what he did. He lived as a shepherd, gathering the sheep and rescuing them from danger. He died as the shepherd. The good shepherd gave his life for the sheep. Today he lives as the shepherd, the great shepherd of the sheep that is building his flock and gathering the children of God together. And there's one flock and there's one shepherd. If a person's truly born again, whatever label he may wear, he belongs to that one flock that is being gathered by that one shepherd. And one of these days, Jesus Christ will return as the chief shepherd. And he's going to gather his flock and call them home and take them to glory. And so when the angels were sent down from the glories of heaven, God the Father said, I want you to find some shepherds because my son is going to be a shepherd. Now, interestingly enough, we have some contrast here, some conflict my first point was that the shepherds were rejected. They were outcasts. They were looked upon as unclean. They were not socially acceptable. Very few people said, let's invite a few shepherds into our house for dinner. On the other hand, Jesus Christ said, I'm a shepherd. And as you read the Old Testament, you find that God's great men were shepherds. Well, you haven't gotten very far into the book of Genesis before you meet Abel. And Abel was a shepherd, and Abel laid down his life. I wonder if God isn't saying to us as we look at the shepherds in the Bible, that's my son, he's going to lay down his life. As Cain killed Abel, so the self-righteous Pharisees of Jesus' day would kill him. You move along, you come to Abraham. He was a shepherd. He had great flocks and herds. And Abraham left home to obey God. And Jesus Christ, the shepherd, left home to obey God. Isaac was a shepherd. And Isaac was willing to lay down his life in obedience to his father. And Jesus was a shepherd. And like Isaac, he was willing to lay down his life in obedience to the father. Jacob was a shepherd. You say, well, you've got to quit now because Jacob was a schemer. Ah, uh, but the great thing you remember about Jacob is he got himself a bride. And Jesus Christ, the shepherd, has gotten himself a bride when he was away from home. You move down the ranks and you find Moses. Moses was a shepherd. He began as a prince. He became a shepherd. And God came to Moses and said, Moses, you're going to be the deliverer. And Jesus, the shepherd, was the deliverer. Moses slaughtered some lambs, and Israel had an exodus from Egypt. Jesus gave his own blood, and we are now experiencing that marvelous exodus out of the power of Satan and the kingdom of darkness into the kingdom of God's dear son. David was a shepherd. And David speaks to us 
of the power and the victory of God. Saul has slain his thousands, David his ten thousands. So as you read the Old Testament scriptures, wherever you turn, you meet shepherds, a shepherd who is slain by the enemy, a shepherd who leaves home, a shepherd who willingly gives his life, a shepherd who claims a bride, a shepherd who leads a redemption, a shepherd who is a great conqueror. And all of these point to Jesus Christ. And so God the Father said to the angels, go find yourself some shepherds. That's what my son is. A third reason, not only because of their social position and their calling as shepherds, but because of their flocks. We sing while shepherds watch their flocks by night, but they weren't their flocks. Both tradition and... Um, some suggestions from Scripture indicate that the flocks they were caring for were the temple sheep. These shepherds weren't taking care of their personal flocks. They were caring for the flocks that belonged to the temple. You see, the temple had to have a lot of sheep. They would sacrifice a lamb every morning. Every morning of the year, a lamb was put on as a burnt offering. Every evening of the year, a lamb was put on as a burnt offering. Every Sabbath day of the year, you add two more. During Passover, two extra a day. During some of the feasts, you'd have as many as 12 and 13 different animals a day being offered. I began to calculate all this, and I should have had a computer because, and you wouldn't, you wouldn't know how many people would come to the temple and say, I want to purchase a sacrifice, I want to offer a burnt offering or a, or a peace offering. But just the, the regular Jewish calendar would require over 1,000 lambs or rams or sheep in the course of a year, really much more than that, closer to 1,500. And so they had their flocks out there. Now, this is interesting. The angel appears to men who were taking care of sacrifices. And it's as though the angel is saying, I know what you're doing. You're taking care of these sacrifices. One of these days, these lambs, these sheep, will have their throats cut. Their blood will be caught in a basin. The blood will be sprinkled on the altar. Their bodies will be cut to pieces, and part of it will go to the priest, and part of it will go on the altar. If it's a peace offering, the family will come and enjoy eating this. I know all of this, says the angel, but I want you to know something, men. We're putting you out of business. Within a few years, we won't need you anymore because one sacrifice has come. One lamb has been born. Mary did have a little lamb. One sacrifice has been born, and that one sacrifice is going to shed his blood, and no longer will the blood of bulls and of goats be required on Jewish altars. Of course, the shepherds didn't see the ramifications of all this immediately. In fact, some Christians haven't seen the ramifications of it yet. But it must have been a glorious day when Hebrews chapter 10 was written, for by one sacrifice has he, has he saved forever them that are set apart. It was a glorious hour in the history of salvation when Jesus Christ cried out that one word on the cross, it is finished. 
It's done. It's settled. The price is paid. The angels were sent to shepherds because they were taking care of flocks that were sacrifices. Aren't you glad there is only one sacrifice today? And aren't you glad he's a living sacrifice, not a dead sacrifice? He is still in heaven. He's still alive. He still bears on his body the wounds of Calvary, and he lives to save. Wherefore, he is able also to save them to the uttermost that come unto God because he ever liveth to make intercession for them. There's a fourth reason, I think, why the shepherds were chosen, and that's because of their character. You say, now, wait just a minute. Weren't they sinners? Yes. Well, what do you say about character? Well, do you know what it took to be a shepherd? It took courage. It took courage to be a shepherd. They didn't sit out there with submachine guns. They didn't have their pockets full of hand grenades. They had a rod and a crook. And they were out there and they had to protect the flocks. Sometimes wolves would come. Sometimes lions would come. David says, a bear came to get my sheep and I killed him. And a lion came to get my sheep and I killed him. Would you apply for a job that required you to kill lions and bears? I don't think you would. I wouldn't either. Sometimes robbers would come. You know, Judea was just like Chicago. There were crooks. There were thieves. Jesus says in John chapter 10 that the thief comes. And so the shepherds had to be men of courage. And when the angels appeared to them, they were frightened, these men were. The angel said, now don't be afraid, because I'm not here to scare you. I'm here to give you good news. And men, after you have seen the Savior, I want you to go spread the good news. That takes courage. Think of the courage it would take for these men, unlearned, they hadn't been to the rabbinical schools, to go and say, you know what? The Messiah's been born. You mean the Messiah that we've read about in Isaiah? He's been born. We saw him. Angels spoke to us. Now, here's a second characteristic of these shepherds. They were honest men. Oh, you could find crooked shepherds, I'm sure. But basically, a shepherd has to be an honest man. I'll tell you why. The boss is not going to be out there with binoculars watching him. You'll recall that when Jacob wanted to build up his nest egg, he did it by uh, letting God help him work through Laban's flock. And God did it. And Laban accused Jacob of being a crook, but Jacob wasn't a crook. Laban was the crook. These men had to be honest. They had to be able to give an honest account. If they'd come in and say to the boss, you know, three of these lambs were killed by lions, and here are parts of the bodies to prove it. Here are the ears. They had to give an account. God wanted men of courage and men of honesty. And when these men went out and said, we saw angels, people say, we believe you. You're not going to make this up. You have nothing to gain by it. We've seen the Messiah. We believe you. God is still looking for people like this who have the courage to say, I've met the Savior, who have the honesty of life to have a credible 
testimony with integrity. Something else about these shepherds and their character, they were accustomed to making immediate decisions. You know, a lion shows up in the area, you don't call a committee meeting. We would do that. You've got to make decisions. A bunch of sheep start to run off, so you've got to make decisions. And please don't get the idea that these shepherds had well-trained, lassie-type dogs to help them. They didn't. Oh, there were dogs there, but they were usually scavengers, and they weren't trained like sheepdogs are. Did you ever watch sheepdog uh, competition on television? It's fantastic what these dogs can do. They didn't have that kind of help. These men had to make immediate decisions. I noticed something here. The angels came and gave the message. They went back to heaven. And the men didn't say, well, let's think about this for two or three weeks. That's what some of you have been doing. They said, let us go now. Now. Not next week, now. But you've got sheep to take care of. We'll get somebody to help us, but let's go now. Let's see this thing the Lord's told us about. These were men of courage, men of integrity, and these were men of decision. That's the kind of men God's looking for. It's the kind of women God's looking for. People who will say, all right, God told it, I'll do it. They were accustomed to obeying. They weren't accustomed to giving the orders. They were accustomed to obeying. That's what God's looking for today. Well, they went out and they saw the Savior. They found Mary, they found Joseph, but most of all, they found that babe. And when they'd seen it, they became wonderful witnesses. A witness is somebody who tells what he's seen and heard, not what he thinks, not what he's seen and heard. Here's my experience. And wherever they went, they'd take some sheep into the temple and they'd say, did you know the Savior's been born? Tell us about it. Where'd you see him? Out in Bethlehem. I wonder if any of these men ever met Jesus Christ later on. Every year this time you read and reread Henry Van Dyke's delightful little story, the story of the other wise man. If you've never read it, read it. Purely apocryphal, but a good story. I wish that somebody who had the gift of writing would write the story of the shepherds 30 years later old and retired, perhaps living in Capernaum or Jerusalem. And they meet the Lord Jesus. They had seen him as a baby in the manger. I wonder if any of them went past Calvary. It's worth thinking about. But this much I know, they believed. You say, well, why wouldn't they believe? Angels have told them. We have the Holy Spirit of God today who's telling people. We have a whole Bible that spells every bit of it out in beautiful detail, and people still won't believe. They didn't believe because the angels told them. They believed the Word. Faith comes by hearing and hearing by the Word of God. They were honest men, and when they were confronted with the evidence, they said, this has to be true, and they went and they worshiped the Savior. I suppose one reason why people have such a hard time trusting Jesus Christ today is because they're unwilling to become nothing. 
The shepherds were lowly men without social status, and they were the ones that God called. Now, no matter what your social status may be today, and nobody really cares, your spiritual status, if you're unsaved, is just like everybody else's. You're too short. All have sinned and come short of the glory of God. Angels are not coming to proclaim the gospel. But those of us who have experienced the salvation of Christ are coming and sharing it with you. The shepherds did not have a Bible. We now have the Bible. The shepherds were all alone in their decision. There weren't 500 people to help them. Today we have millions of Christians who believe on Jesus Christ and they've been born again. You know what I'm saying? It's much easier to be saved today than it was back there. Believe in a baby? A poor baby in a manger? <laughs> you got to be kidding. No, they believed. Today I say to you, I don't want you to believe in a baby in a manger or even a Savior on a cross. I present to you tonight a risen, glorified, ascended Lord Jesus Christ. One who wants to save you now. If we'll just get poor enough, he'll make us rich. If we'll just get low enough, he'll lift us high. If we'll just put away our own superiority of wisdom, he'll really make us smart. If we'll only admit that we're sinners, he'll save us. Heavenly Father, thank you that down through the years you have called those who have been rejected, those who were sinners, those who really had nothing of themselves, and you saved them. I pray that tonight there might be those here who will admit how bankrupt they are, how needy they are, and come and trust the Savior. We ask it in Jesus' name. Amen.